Welcome to the MBP, the Micah Brown podcast, where I have the privilege of connecting you, my listeners, my audience, my friends with interesting people in an intentional way. I do that through two facets. One is I I know that right now we, we tend to miss out on the relational aspect of being fellow human beings. A lot of times we'll address other people based on the statistics that they're mentioning or the facts that they're mentioning and miss the whole point is that we're two human beings interacting. So the way I approach that is through connecting with my guests first in a personal way. What obstacles have they overcome? What is their background like? What's their family like? What personal things are they engaged in right now so that you can better connect with them, relate with them, and understand where they're coming from? Maybe you have something in common. Who knows? We won't know until we ask, right? And then the second aspect of that is by getting into what interesting things are they doing? That could be in their professional life. That could be in something that they're just involved with outside of their typical nine to five job. Um, It could be any number of things. Maybe it's just something on the public stage. Nonetheless, those are the two sides of the same coin that make up a person. And I want to get into knowing more about each side of uh, that, that person that I get to have on the show, get to interview. I really appreciate you listening right now. Make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any great interviews that I have upcoming. And in addition to that, I want to thank you for supporting the podcast. If you want to continue to do so, you can, I'm going to have other ways coming up soon, but for now, by getting your free trial through audibletrial.com forward slash MBP, not only will you be supporting the podcast, but that gives you an easy opportunity to look up some of the books that we've mentioned on previous episodes, maybe some of the guests have mentioned, and listen to those for free for 30 days. I would strongly recommend you keep it because it's actually a really great resource to have um, anytime that you're driving or just doing something, maybe lawn care outside of your own home. Who knows what it is? But it's a great resource to have. So again, audibletrial.com forward slash MBP. And anytime you sign up for a free new account, that will support the podcast. So I thank you in advance for that. Finally, to some very specific people who have supported this podcast already. First to Alvin Brown, who has helped set up this podcast, get it off the ground, get it going and continues to support me behind the scenes. Second would be to the man, the myth, the legend who has created our music that we now use on this show. Isaiah Cruz, phenomenal musician, even more phenomenal human being. And last but not least, I want to thank you to the sponsorship that Thelma's Treats has offered to the Micah Brown podcast. Guys, listen, here's the thing. Here's how this went down. I saw an ice cream sandwich and I thought that looks very delicious and it's super hot here in Austin, Texas. So what did I do? Like a normal sane human being, I bought the ice cream sandwich, ate it before I even made it to my car. I thought that's amazing. I need more of that in my life. Reached out to Thelma's and just said, hey, y'all make a fantastic product. I want more. Is there anything I can do to help you guys out? They said, just get the word out. I can't tell you how easy it is for me to tell you about Thelma's treats. If you need a good ice cream sandwich, if your kids need a good ice cream sandwich, if it's way too hot outside and you just need something to put a smile on your face, get yourself an ice cream sandwich. Treat yourself, as they say on Parks and Rec. That's all I got. Enjoy. On today's episode, I get the pleasure and honor of interviewing my best friend, Barrett Raven. He is a realtor here in Austin, Texas, 
So if you're listening in and you're like, you know what? I actually do need to talk to a realtor. He offers his email address at the end, but I'll tell you right now, it's barrettraven at realtyaustin.com. That is, uh, he, he's a fantastic human being. As I mentioned, even in this episode, he was my realtor who became a friend. And now he's my best friend who happens to be a realtor. He's just an awesome guy. As you hear his story, you'll get to hear really his heart for other people wanting to be an encouragement constantly to them and just seeing other people succeed. So I hope that this episode resonates with you. Also, as he mentioned, he has been on the platinum list for Austin Realtors three years in a row, apparently despite uh, the changing metric for them. And so I'm very excited to introduce you guys to a person who is not just a fantastic human being and not just a professional who is excelling in his career, but one of my best friends. Without further ado, here is Barrett Raven. Barrett, thanks so much for joining me today. I know that we usually do this. Guys, This for those listening, this is a very common occurrence that Barrett and I get to talk at this time of day every Friday, uh, unless Barrett is buried under every bit of responsibilities on the planet. So Barrett, I appreciate you once again joining me on a Friday at noon to be able to chat through uh, this time for a little bit different stuff that I may know, but other people may not. And I've considered you one of the most inspirational people in my life and one of my closest friends. So I get, I am very excited to share you with the world. How are you today? Dude, awesome. And seriously, thank you so much for having me. Maybe everybody doesn't know this out there, but MBP actually stands for the Micah Barrett podcast. And so uh, <laughs> it's so, such an honor to finally be able to make it on. Um, it's about time. Yeah, it's been man. a low-key secret that we've been just keeping <laughs> ourselves this whole time. Yeah, dude. It's, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, it's uh, like you said. I mean, I'm kind of like, hey, this is like the huge over here. So I just have to keep in mind that we're recording this. But otherwise, this is what I'd normally be doing on a Friday, man. So honestly, I love the podcast and it's an honor uh, that you asked me to come on today. So thanks a lot, man. Heck yeah. I think it was a, a long time coming for sure because th- this should, we, if we recorded every conversation we had, there'd be some quality content and then some questionable content, you know, just like, <laughs> what were they just talking about? You know, that kind of thing. But it's kind of oh, like yeah. when Justice clipped that YouTube video together that that a lot amazing. of phrases taken completely out of context <laughs> on purpose. And it was pretty comical. Maybe I'll, I'll add that link in the description or something uh, for a little bit of what Barrett and Micah are like IRL in real life. Heck yeah, baby. Let's go. Well, let's start with just a, a general, as specific as you want to be, background, where you came from. I know as we record this, you're sitting in your original bedroom. Um, wow, this is weird. Waiting for a this will this will air much later. So waiting for a surprise birthday party for your brother, which is really exciting. We talked about having to be like Jason Bourne to keep secrets and stuff like that. But um, give us a little background. Where are you from? How did you meet your wife? Um, what your career changes have been like? Kids? Who your favorite person other than your family are? You know, is it, it's fine. Whatever you want to say, man. You have the table. Yeah, yeah, cool. So I'll try to to keep this as brief as possible, I guess. But um, I'm originally from Beaumont, Texas, like Southeast Texas, moved here to Conroe when I was about 10. So just north of Houston. Um, so I mean, really, I, I grew up with a very pretty typical suburban 
life. You know, um, my parents are amazing. Um, I'm the oldest of four boys. So I'm the oldest brother. Um, all three of my brothers still live in Conroe. And um, after high school, well, I guess I should say some, a big part of my life is, you know, grew up in Conroe, in the church, loved music. Um, I played in bands from like junior high to high school to college, kind of punk bands. I was going to say, uh, what kind of bands? <laughs> punk, punk rock bands. So if you want to, uh, if you want to Google or YouTube uh, Dover Drive. So Dover Drive, that's our, our old band. And um, you can still find some videos on YouTube of our old high school and college band. And uh, anyway, thought taking, I was gonna... taking notes of that. I'm, I'm going to make sure yes. to include that. Good, 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 good. So I really honestly thought that I would um, have a career in the music industry, whether it was like recording, touring, producing, anything. I just, I love music. Um, and then long story short, our band ended up kind of breaking up uh, a couple years into college. So I went to a community college here in the Conroe area and we broke up and I was like, well, I love Austin. I have a ton of family in Austin. Uh, you know what, if I can get into UT, University of Texas, I'll, I'll move to Austin. So I applied, got in, finished out my college, uh, finished out college at UT. And I loved Austin and um, studied economics at UT and graduated in 2008 at like the height of the Great Recession. So great time to graduate college. Perfect. Yes. Way to plan that out. That's good. Dude. All about time. Especially, especially as an economics major. <laughs> Kudos. Oh. Yeah. In fact, in my in my senior level, like upper level economics classes, one of them was called money and banking. And our professor, towards the end of the semester, literally every day, he would just walk in and turn on the TV to like whatever news, financial news channel. And he'd be like, All right, y'all, we're just gonna watch this for 30 minutes. The world is ending, and then we're gonna talk about it. That's that's all you do. It's like yes. Now let's go to the career fair. Yeah, um, exactly. Consisting pretty, of like five companies. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So anyway, I um I graduated from college right around then. I started um dating my well woman who would then become my wife. Um, who would later become my wife. Her name's Kristen. Oh, I thought you were about to say something. Um. Anyway, started dating Kristen and little known fact, Kristen was actually uh, my manager at the coffee shop where I was working, Dominican Joe at like South Congress in Riverside. Uh, and so, oh, and another huge part of my life is I absolutely love coffee. I worked in coffee shops for like eight big years. Facts. I think. Big facts. Yeah. So you said big facts. Big facts. <laughs> yeah. So I love coffee. Um, anyway, met my wife, Kristen, um, at Dominican Joe. We started dating, um, right after I graduated from college. And honestly, like I thought that Kristen and I would end up going to do mission work somewhere, um, like in China, Mongolia. I don't know. We just thought we would be, we would be missionaries for the rest of our lives. Um, started dating, dated for three months, got engaged. We were engaged for three months and then bam, we were married. Um, so it's kind of like a reoccurring theme in my life, honestly, like when I decide I want to do something, it's like, I try not to overthink it and just go yep. for it. Yep. Um, and I didn't want Kristen to, 
to see how lame I actually was. And so I was like, we got to ride this wave and just get married. Let's put a ring on it. You know, before you scare her away, you gotta, you gotta just reel her and tie that up real quick. Okay. We're good. Exactly. Exactly. So we got married in early 2009, January 2nd, 2009. And, um, anyway, we had our first kid, um, in October, 2010. And actually to back up a little bit, we got married and I became a teacher. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to be a high school math teacher and just kind of like work on saving a little bit of money here and there and raising some support. And we'll go, we'll go be a missionary somewhere. We'll go be missionaries somewhere. Um, well, we had our first kid, his name's Ira and he's about to be 10 now. And we were just like, you know, let's, let's stick around Austin for a little bit let's stick around our families for a little bit while our first kid is a baby. Um, then we got pregnant with our second kid. Uh, jokes on you. Good jokes on us. <laughs> so his name's Wyatt. And, um, anyway, when Wyatt was, um, a week old, um, he, this is probably something we'll talk about in a little bit, a little bit later, but when Wyatt was a week old, he had major heart failure and, we didn't know anything was wrong with him when he was born, um, but he had a major heart defect, had a heart failure when he was a week old. And then uh, he was in the NICU at Dell Children's Hospital. And then when he was two weeks old, he got flown to, to Dallas, to Children's Medical in Dallas, and where he had open heart surgery. And it was pretty, it was pretty touch and go there for the first year of his life. It was really freaky. And um, anyway, he's okay now just a little spoiler alert there. He's like a little seven-year-old Tasmanian devil. He's freaking yes. nuts. <laughs> He's, He's good. He's good. Yeah. He's making up for lost time still. Um, so anyway, Wyatt, he, he recovered um, by the end of, um, by the time it was a year, he was like pretty, pretty okay. Um, and I, I pretty quickly saw like, man, like we have a ton of medical bills. We have a, a we're just kind of overloaded with medical debt. And I was just like, man, teaching, uh, we're not going to get, we're not going to pay these bills with my teaching job. No, not at all. You know what I'm talking about. used to be a teacher. 100%. Yep. Yep. And, uh, but I really liked my teaching job. And so in order, long story short, to just kind of figure out how to try and make it work. um, I ended up getting my real estate license um, and I got into real estate, just real estate sales. Um, And really just kind of fell in love with it. And again, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I've been a realtor since 2014 and I did both real estate and teaching for about a year and a half um, just to, to make sure I could make it work. And I did. And in 2000, in June, 2015, it's funny. We bought our first rental property. Well, actually, let me back up. We paid off Wyatt's medical bills. That was amazing took about a year, paid off all Wyatt's medical bills. Every penny I made in real estate went straight to paying off his, his bills. And then we bought a rental property in June, 2015. Two days later was my last day of teaching. And then two days later, our daughter Bowie was born. And so it was just like jumping in the freaking deep end, dude. But we were off to the races. And so she just turned five in June. And so that's how I know like, okay, in June, it was five years that I've been doing real estate as my only job. And just 
this job has just been the blessing of my life. Like it has just been such a joy, had a lot of ups and downs, but overall it's been amazing. And um, yeah, so I'm a realtor now. Um, feels like a lifetime ago I was a teacher and um, yeah, man. So again, long story short, we're still in Austin. Actually, I should say to make a really long story, just regular long. Um, <laughs> Rick, <laughs> we, not a we, long six inches. Got that, it. Okay. To make that sub is short, just as good. That's right. So we are still in Austin. I feel like we're just firmly rooted here. Obviously, my job is very much based here. We've got our three kids. They're almost 10, almost eight and five years old. Um, we live in pretty central Austin. I'm a realtor. We love Austin. We love our church. And um, now I'm talking to you. Which we wouldn't have met. <clears throat> we wouldn't have met if you weren't a realtor. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, dude, honestly, I always forget that you and Elizabeth were my clients. Like I, I just think of us as Once totally regular friends. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, honestly, that's what I say. And for those listening, and if you've, you've been a listener since the first episode, you'll know that I have mentioned Barrett a number of times and uh, how he was a teacher and all that. So some of you that have been loyal listeners, you know a little bit of what he just was talking about being a, a teacher and then a realtor. And as I like to tell people, you were my realtor and then became my friend, but now you're just my friend who is a realtor. <laughs> so it's kind of evolved over time to like, oh, he's not just our realtor. Like, no, he is, he's my friend who is a realtor. Yeah, you know? it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I don't regret any part of that with what you were talking about uh, with Wyatt. I feel like this would be kind of that answer, but the question I like to ask all of my guests is what obstacles or events in your life have most shaped your character or who you are in general and how you can offer as many or as few examples as you like. Oh man. Yeah. That's a really great question. So no more than five. I, I'm just no, <laughs> okay. So, I mean, yeah, I, it's hard not to talk about Wyatt and just that, that situation that we went through. Um, it, again, like I know you, I keep having to remember you and I have talked about all of this stuff. Yeah. I, I know these sure. things. You know all <laughs> exactly. this, man. I'm not going to pretend like you don't already know this. <laughs> um, but I mean, I know you're familiar with the Enneagram, right? We, so, we have discussed this a number of times. This, I feel like I might need to do an Enneagram episode. And maybe you can be <laughs> on it. I'll get Elizabeth in here and you can be on it. And we'll just all discuss what that even means and get people. Anyway, please continue. Dude, I love it. And I know maybe there, there's like a huge swath of your listeners that just like, oh my gosh, he just said the E word. I'm turning this podcast off. We definitely just polarize my audience. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> there's this small group in the middle that's like, I don't even know. What, what did he just say? Enneagram? Yes. Enneagram? Like graham okay. crackers? Continue. So in short, the Enneagram is just a personality typology. And there are so many out there. And like, I don't, I'm not obsessed with it. Um, I don't think you should just totally bank your, I just winked at Micah. He couldn't. He yeah, because I made a face. <laughs> I was like, you aren't obsessed? With, okay, sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. So it's, it's, I don't just like live my life by the Enneagram or anything like that. Some people just like obsess over it and think way too much about it. Um, but I, I honestly think it's an incredibly useful tool to just kind of know yourself and to just help you relate to others. So um, I'm not really going to talk a ton about the Enneagram, but it's funny. This is almost like a little therapy session here. So something that I shared with my therapist recently 
um, or that my therapist actually shared with me that it, it was really enlightening. I think um, he was just like, okay, Barrett, before your son Wyatt was born, you were an Enneagram nine. And so for those of you who aren't super familiar with the Enneagram, that's a peacemaker. You just kind of go with the flow, whatever, like you just want peace and harmony and, and you're just kind of okay with, with whatever. And that is very much how I was. And he was like, it is very rare for someone to actually change personalities like at all. Like it just doesn't happen. Um, and a lot of people say that it, it never happens no matter what. But he was like, I think you are like the rare type of person where he said, I think the day before your son, Wyatt had heart failure in 2012, you were an Enneagram nine. And then he said, your son had heart failure and something in your brain, a switch went off in your brain. And he said, you became an Enneagram three, uh, which is the achiever. Um, and so for me, like, I mean, one of the biggest, obviously probably the biggest obstacle I've ever faced was going through that with my son and with my wife. Um, and really it's just like how the challenging part of it is just like, well, what do you do? How do you operate? How do you move forward? Um, and I, again, I think this switch went off in my brain and it, I went into like provider protector mode, I guess. Um, and just, I told myself, like, I never want this to happen again, or I, I never want to be in this place where we're completely vulnerable to something like this. And I want to be able to provide and take care of my family. Um, and so I would say that's probably the biggest obstacle I've, I've gone through. And it, it really just changed who I am and how I operate with my family and myself and my wife. Um, and it, it's really weird to say this, but I kind, of, I kind of look back on that period with this weird sense of fondness um, because I think I changed a lot. And I think Kristen and I will always say, you know, at that point, like, yes, we were married for two or three years, but we really feel like we got married at that time, you know, that it bonded us. We just got so much closer. Yeah. Um, and so that, that um, I could talk your ear off about that situation. Um, but I think that's, that's a big one. And then I think really also like the aftermath of that, trying to figure out how, how do we get through this? Um, how do we move forward? And like I said, I got my real estate license and then working, working two jobs for that year and a half was nuts. And I know that there are people out there who work four jobs to, to, um, they're called teachers. They're, <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah. Um, I know there are people out there working a ton of jobs, especially right now, just doing what they can, um, to make it work. And I totally respect and admire those people. And for me, it was just, and I had worked multiple jobs in college and things like that. But this was where, um, like, dude, I had two full-time jobs. I was not working a bunch of part-time jobs. And it's funny whenever people would approach me and say like, Oh, cool. So you're a part-time realtor. I would say, do not say that in front of my wife because she will straight up shank you. Um, and she would say, I believe, I believe yes. it 100%. <laughs> she, she would always correct people um, when they would say that. And she would say, no, no, no he is a full-time realtor and he's a full-time teacher. And I mean, dude, I was working 90 to a hundred hours a week, um, just doing what I needed to, to 
make it work and to show up big for my students and to show up big for the people who entrusted me with helping them buy or sell a home. And um, it was just, I would say that was a huge obstacle, just getting through that period. And on top of that, having a son who was recovering from heart surgery, who had all sorts of issues um, for years after that. And I mean, there was a period where, dude, I'm not going to lie. We were sleeping there was one period where we were sleeping for like 45 minutes a night um, and, or, or maybe not at all. And I felt like a freaking zombie, like a dead man walking. Um, it takes a major toll on you because sleep rebuilds your body. So not only are you just tired, but your body starts breaking down because it can't heal. 100%. And I, I just felt like we were in like military style sleep deprivation and I was working two full-time jobs and just building a career, you know, starting a career. So I would say, I would say those two periods where I felt like a completely different and honestly like better person um, coming out of those, coming out of those seasons for sure. I can relate in some capacity, uh, not, not to the severity of your situation because I, I don't wish that on anybody. Um, and it's not what happened to me, but something that you and I bond over is we just do what's right for our family, period. Just, oh, this is going to be really uncomfortable for me, but it, it's going to shake out pretty well for my family. No factor. <laughs> not even a question. I, I don't really care. Just bring it on. Let's do it. And uh, that's what happened. That's why I love teaching also. Um, so I know that we we share that in common. Yeah, but, dude. And I, and I have and we've talked, we talk about this all the time, you and I do, but like, I just have so much respect for teachers. Like, dude, it's, I hope I don't even have to say that for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's probably the hardest job there is. Um, and yeah, dude, we love our teachers. And I mean, something else that, that kind of came out of that period. And I heard this quote and I cannot remember what book I read this in, but I'll never forget this quote. And this author said, um, you know, the only things in life that you can control, like the only things you can control are your actions, your reactions, and your mindset. And I would say, like, I came out of those, those seasons understanding that. Um, it's one thing to know that in theory, but it's another thing to put it in practice. And it's like, man, that's just given me so much comfort throughout the years of, man, I can't. I can't control. Uh, I mean, neither, none of us can control coronavirus or the economy or the shutdown quarantine or anything like that, but we can control what we do about it. We can control how we react to things and we can control the way that the way that we think about it and, you know, everything else we, we just have, we have influence over a very small amount of things, but everything else is, we have no control over it. So definitely came out of those seasons understanding that. And I think out of those three that you mentioned, which I, I quickly jotted down that uh, quote, that, and I'll repeat it real quick, the only three things you can control are your actions, reactions, and mindset. I think out of those three things, the first two stem from the last one. You know, what's your mindset? What's your perspective? Yep. And then that will inform your actions, inform your reactions. Um, I, I see actions is kind of proactive and reactions kind of a lag like, okay, I wasn't planning on that, but because of my mindset, because of my perspective, here's how I'm then going to respond to that. So um, I, I can definitely relate to that 
that's uh that's been something that I've talked to Elizabeth about. And and then even just recently when I had frigging COVID-19, people <laughs> I had some people that actually got kind of upset that I had a sense of humor about it. Uh they were like, "Micah, this is a very serious virus." I said, "Yeah, have you had it cuz I do." You know. <laughs> and uh um, yeah. I if you want to share, by all means, let me know, but I I remember telling people there's plenty plenty for me to be upset about. N- number 1, we have this like fabric dog gate mm-hmm. that we have just outside of our bedroom door and the bean crawls over and she starts hitting it. Ah, da, 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 da. Like she wants to come see me. So for starters, that's not exciting. I want to hold my baby. I want to be able to talk to her and play with her. Right. But my mindset was, okay, I acknowledge there's plenty to be upset about, but why? Like what, what, this is my own mindset. I don't expect anybody else to see things this way, but what's the point? Why, why be upset and focus on the negatives Instead, you know what? I have plenty of downtime. I can't, I don't have enough energy to hold my phone up, but I have plenty of think time. So why don't I just try to sort through some of the things I've been thinking about and maybe philosophize about one thing or another um, and then cancel on Barrett because I literally don't have the energy to to talk for more than five (laughs) minutes. So um, anyway, but yeah, mindset I think informs those other two. Totally. Is there another, before I move on to the next question, is there uh, another event or obstacle that has kind of shaped who you are i don't expect you to have an answer but if if not then we'll move on i would say everything else is is really low on the list compared to those i thought you were gonna say this whole thing called life yeah that's a big obstacle <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> adulting <Come on>. huge <laughs> yeah there was the, there's covid you know you talk about that that thing uh, yeah but no no everything else Everything else um, seems like a cakewalk compared to those. You know, I mentioned in uh, my interview with Dr. Janelle McCauley that people, and I think I've mentioned this to you before too, that people are like gushers and they're, they're one flavor on the outside, but whenever you, you squeeze them, you find out they, they might be a yeah. sour gusher. You know, they might actually be um, not, not as enjoyable to be around. And I think in your case with dealing with that with Wyatt, you got squeezed pretty hard, man. And then the, the 45 minute naps every night, you know, that's more pressure. Um, and I think being your friend, for those that are just listening, being your friend, I have seen firsthand that there's no bitterness left inside you. There's no animosity towards anyone. There's no negative harboring of feelings of why God, you know, that kind of thing. But even as you just said, you, in a weird way that I, I feel like anybody that's actually paying attention to what we're talking about understands you look back on that period with fondness because you know what the result was. Right. And I think that might be the encouragement right there for people that currently are going through some pretty tough stuff, being in quarantine, learning how to do life again um, with the new way that we all have to go about interacting with one another. Just know that you may look back on this period of time with a weird sense of fondness, knowing that it pr- produced a great, fruit from it yep. yep so who inspires you the most and how oh you can be somebody famous it could be somebody that's famous to you you know like your wife Kristen, the great oh, Kristen. ruined it oh <laughs> i didn't i can't read minds yet um but i guess i just did dude okay so i definitely will have to say 
the person who inspires me the most in my life is my wife, Kristen. Um, I mean, I know I don't need to explain this to you, but um, so she is, it's funny, we call it a stay-at-home mom. And I'm like, there ain't no staying at home about that. It's like, well, maybe now because of quarantine. (laughs) Maybe now it's more literal, but yeah. yeah. But I I prefer to call it full-time mom, you know? Um, she is a full-time mom. That is a freaking job. I take it back. Teaching is not the hardest job in the world. Being being a full-time parent is the hardest job in the world. Especially when they might not be in school. <laughs> yes. Goodness. Oh, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah, don't even get me started, man. So um, I definitely will say that, um, dude, like, honestly, I will spend like 15 minutes alone with my kids without Kristen. And I am immediately just like, screw this. <laughs> this is not happening. And in case anybody, I feel like any parent that just heard that is like, yep, I feel that <laughs> any non-parent is like, what? You know, 15 you don't minutes. Like your Come kids. On. How dare no, you? you? Don't get it. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's a real thing. It's like my, the mini me's get under my skin much faster than any other person. Dude. Period. Okay. Here, <laughs> this is kind of a little bit of a, a, Aside by all here. means by all means um so Kristen, my wife and i so we do um premarital counseling with people with other with with couples about to get married like we administer the counseling um well actually technically we call it premarital mentoring since because we're not licensed counselors makes more sense yeah so we do premarital mentoring we'll meet with a couple like you know eight eight to ten weeks before they get married and and i share this all the time Every single couple that we've walked through, which we've probably helped, I don't know, like eight to 10 couples at this point. And, you know, they go into it just like rose colored glasses on, like, this is just going to be so amazing. And we want to get married just because we love each other so much. And we're always going to love each other. And our love is just going to grow every day until we die. And it's like, I can see you're just, you're fighting back a laugh right now. The the thing about that, I, I'd like to think, and maybe you you know this about me. I'm, I'm a realist. I'm, I, I tilt sure. optimist, but I'm, I'm mostly a realist. And um, I think even when we got married and went through premarital counseling, we uh, or mentoring, you know, we even in retrospect, I don't think we had the most rosy colored glasses on. But then we just celebrated five years, and we always watch our our wedding video. Uh, every year to just like, oh man, relive the moment. And we're watching this at Hotel Emma and I start dying laughing because our vows were were pretty great. You know, like, okay, we've actually held two of those. But then there there are just some things that we both said that were like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, what was I thinking? Like, not that it was a bad vow by any means or a good hope, but it's one of those things that it's like, okay, that's sustainable maybe for one to two years. But then after that, like you literally change. It's it's the running joke that meme that's like, you all failed the where do you see yourself in five years? Okay, so let's just clear that up. And that's the same for us. When you have kids, things change and you adapt and you grow. But I'm with you. I even for a person who I, I don't think I had very rosy colored glasses on, there's still some things that I'm like, oh. nah, I was very naive because I had never been married before. How am I supposed to know everything that's exactly. gonna happen? But here's the, here's the thing. So, and this is what I tell all the couples. I say, you know, like, this is my personal experience. And 
I mean, this isn't a scientific study or anything, but 100% of people that I know also think this who have kids. Um, so <laughs> it's not scientific, but it's exactly accurate. Yeah. Figure it's a it double out. blinded scientific study. So, uh, anyway, we, uh, so I tell people, listen, like I grew up in the church, right. And I grew up hearing things like, you know, you're a sinner and you're born a sinner and like, you need Jesus. And like, you're, 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 you're inherently just like sinful. And I remember hearing that as a kid and just being like, eh, like I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty good actually. All um, right. Actually I checked yeah. the mirror and I'm pretty good. Hello. I'm an Enneagram nine. I'm a peacemaker. Hello. Obviously it's the top <laughs> of the numbers. So <laughs> dude, calm the best. <laughs> I honestly thought like, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty good. You know, I, I'm, I go with the flow and I never get angry. Um, I'm pretty good. I'm good. Inherently good. Well, then I got married and you know, after getting married, I mean, you, you know, you have to, you have to lay down like some of your, your rights and privileges as a human, right. And your preferences to make this other person happy. Like you're, you're combining lives with somebody. So obviously you have to alter your life and that's not always the most comfortable thing. And weirdly enough, like I like brushing my teeth by myself, you know, I like spreading out in the bed and I can't do that. Now. We're, we're both tall people. I, I also like spreading out in the bed. Like, Hey, I know it's a queen or king and everything, but like, could you just scoot more like yeah. the edge, find the edge and just live there. Yeah. Come on now. And so anyway, after getting <laughs> married, it was like, I started to see, okay, like I can be, I can be selfish sometimes, but overall, like I'm pretty good. You know, I'm still pretty good. Like I, I love this person. Like I love coming home to her every day. I love being the person that she comes home to every day. Um, like we have a lot of fun. Like, yes, I can be selfish and petty at times, but like, I'm still pretty good. So I'm like, get ready for that. You're about to get married. Get ready. And I was like, then we had kids. <gasps> and that ruined my idea of myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> like we had kids and like, don't get me wrong. It's amazing. I Having children, being a father is like the total joy of my life. I love it. Um, but I have realized since having kids, like, turns out I do have an anger problem. Like I'm an angry turns person. <laughs> like the, the smallest, dumbest little thing can make me actually want to go Hulk rage mode and actually crush this three-year-old, you know? Um, I'm not agreeing that I've ever felt that way, but I'm also not disagreeing. You don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> this is a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> safe space, dude. It's not like it's being recorded or anything. No. Um, yeah, no, it's fine. C <laughs> CPS, don't come, please. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and I've never gone Hulk rage mode and crushed a child. Just say no. No, but you, um, got, you got to be able to vent in a healthy way. This is, this is a yes. safe space. You're good. And I mean, now it's like, like having kids is, is a wild human experience. Like, like having kids, you realize like, oh, nobody cares what you want nobody <laughs> cares nobody cares how you feel <laughs> no, no one cares about your feelings like or if like, you're talking like i, I oh. can't tell you how many times just today we've had to tell charlotte not to interrupt oh dude 
it's crazy. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. And it's like, imagine having another person, like you completely rearrange your life to accommodate this one human's needs. You, you make them a meal, right? You work so hard to make them exactly what they're asking for. You put it in front of them and they literally throw it off of their high chair, spit at you, punch you in the face and tell you, you're stupid. I hate you. And you're fat. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) When did you start talking? (laughs) Yeah. Imagine if that, imagine if we treated each other like that. And it's like, it's, it's, it's absolutely freaking maddening. Um, and so now fast forward, like 2020, I can be sitting in church and I hear from a pastor, like, listen, you guys are sinners. You are born sinners. And now I will like immediately start crying. And I'm just like, yes. Oh my God. I am a sinner. I'm a horrible person. (laughs) Um, but, but here's the thing that's crazy about that is I don't think, this is my opinion. I don't think that all of a sudden getting married made me selfish sometimes. Like having kids made me rage sometimes. What I think is like, that was in me the whole time. However, like getting married, having kids, it's almost like revealing to yourself, like who you really are. Like you said, like the gusher, like when you're put under pressure, like that's when you find out like, who you really are. And I'm so glad to know myself like this and to know like who I really am, because I feel like that's when you can start to do, to do the work of really becoming a better person. I, I would love to know if you agree with this or not. Um, and then we'll move on to the next question. But, uh, I think that, yeah, you get a new mirror whenever you get married, uh, not to quote a Justin Timberlake song or anything, but whenever you do get married, I feel like previously you over time kind of warp your own self perception into like a funhouse mirror to be like, this is how I really view myself, you know, but then when you get married, you get a new mirror. That's actually the real picture of you. And actually in some ways it's almost like an x-ray machine that sees through you a little bit. And then you get kids, (laughs) you have kids and I feel like whatever was present before good or bad gets magnified a thousand times. And I've told a few couples, um, and actually we got asked to mentor, um, premarital mentoring. So I may need to know what resources you use. Um, but I, I tell people like, if you, if you start going on date night prior to kids, you will find out, very quickly that date nights will become very important. So therefore it's, it's magnified in a positive manner. And at the same time, if you figure out that you actually have a very low uh, threshold of patience, as you're talking about, that also will be magnified. (laughs) Like your patience for your wife, that may be a huge long fuse, like, okay, this fuse can burn for a long time before the bomb ever goes off. Well, then with your kids, you f- <laughs> that fuse is like tiny. And so yeah. I, I tell people that when you get married, things get magnified. So if you already have this rhythm with your wife of like, okay, Elizabeth and I, every week we have a date night. Even if that's at home, watching the office and we have like a meat and cheese board, we have a date night. 
where it's designated us time. And now you and I have both talked about how we actually have three nights a week where it's just together time, but everything gets magnified. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and maybe you're pregnant or maybe you're discussing the potential of having kids, just remember what Barrett and I have talked about where everything gets magnified. So get those systems in place now where you carve out time for each other to continue to meet with each other and pour into each other so that you don't drift apart and that gets magnified with kids. Dude, I love it. So do you, would you agree or disagree or add a caveat? I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yes. It's, it's, you still have that mirror, like you said, but it's almost like it becomes like this New York city subway mirror with like a fluorescent light in front of you. And you're like, am I really that ugly? I had yep. no idea. I looked awesome <laughs> in that window reflection earlier. What the, what the heck, man? Yep. That's actually a good point. The window reflection, it's a clear reflection, but you can't actually see details. Yes. Versus like <laughs> fluorescent light. Oh my gosh. Did you look at those blackheads? Like, gosh, that's yeah. terrible. <laughs> and then but you're yeah, that weirdo no. that everybody, everybody that walks past that mirror, they're like, Ugh, what, what is that on my yep. face? It's your nose, yep. but it's fine. <laughs> yep. But no, for everybody out there, guys, having kids is awesome. Just do it. It's great. It's super easy. Yeah, we live in a very borderline insane world as parents where on one hand, we're like, I am going to run my head through this window if you keep interrupting me. Um, And then, because it's not just today. It's been the last like three months every day, okay? Um, And we all have our limits. So it's that. And then two seconds later, Daddy, I don't feel good. Can you give me a hug to make me feel better? It's like, I will drop what i'm doing and be your medicine baby come here you know so we're insane it's because we're parents yep yep now a new question that i'm I'm gonna try out with you if you died tomorrow what would you hope people say about you when you're gone it could be just a a phrase it could be character trait it could be a story just what what do you want to leave behind man that is huge micah come on now um, and you have to answer in 30 seconds. I can do that. Okay. So I heard this quote recent. There's a book called high performance habits. Um, that is really good that everybody should read whether you're a full-time mom, realtor, business person, podcaster, accountant, anybody should read it. Um, and in the book, he says that what he wants to, I'm going to totally take steal this from him. Uh, it's fine. And I, I love Who's it. the author. Who's the author? Brendan Bouchard, Brandon Bouchard. I think Brendan Bouchard. Um, anyway, he says that when he dies, he wants people to remember him. He wants people to say he lived, he loved, he mattered. Right. Um, I, and, and I really, I really think that's what I want people to say about me. But honestly, I mean, I think I just want, people to remember the way that I made them feel. And I want people to feel, um, I do want people to, to say he lived. I want to live a full life. Um, I want to experience new things and I want to continually push myself until the end. Um, and I want people to say he loved, like he loved me. Um, and I want more than, than me, like wanting myself to matter. I want people to say he made me feel like I mattered. Um, so that's just something that, again, it's kind of a twist on the Brendan Bouchard thing. I want people to say I lived. I want people to say I loved them intentionally. 
And I want people to say that I made them matter. That's dope. And I might steal it. Dude. At least if anything, it's a good standard to live by. Um, yeah. when I, when I interviewed, um, Brian Flanagan, he said that if in, that in any given conversation, he wants to walk away from that conversation, knowing that they talked more than he did, or that he learned more about them than they did about him. Not, not in like a, I'm keeping secrets kind of way, but he wants to make the conversation about them. And again, I think that that's really cool. So I want to transition here to kind of the professional side on the Michael Brown podcast. We try to focus in on who are you as a person, then jump to what do you do? So you've mentioned that you're a realtor. I know this because I'm sitting in my house that you sold me. Um, (laughs) What does a typical day in your profession look like? Mm. Okay. So over the years, I, I honestly feel like I've actually, I can answer that question now. If you would have asked me three, four years ago, I would have said, I have no freaking idea. What it looks like is I'm running <laughs> around like a chicken with my head cut off and, and I my just hair's hold on tight and just see what yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me, like what a typical day looks like, like I, I like, here's the thing. So I used to, I was a teacher, right? I taught for, I always forget seven or eight years. And that was my first like professional job. And so, you know, as a teacher, like your time is actually blocked for you. You know, like every period you've got to, you have to lesson plan. This yep. is when you lesson plan. This is when yep. you teach. This is when you go to lunch. This is when you yep. have advisory. This is when you have homeroom. This is when you, you know? Yep. So I felt like it was really cool. Um, uh, like transitioning from teaching to real estate. Uh, because I, I've really worked hard to keep that, um, system of what we call time blocking, like schedule blocking. Um, so I kind of treat my day as if I'm in like eight or nine different periods throughout the day. Um, and so a typical, a typical day for me looks like, you know, I wake up and again, I'll make this as brief as possible, but I wake up, um, I work out. So I either run ride my bike. Right now I'm just doing bodyweight workouts in an empty parking lot down the street from our house. But normally I'd go to the gym. Uh, and I have to do all of that in the dark of morning before my family gets up because it's really the only time I can, I can get that done. And it's kind of my only like time of solitude and like alone time in the day. So I treasure that. Um, go home, just shower up, get dressed, make a quick breakfast. I help Kristen with just get the kids up and get going and make them breakfast. And then I'm usually starting my day by 8.15. And I've got what I call a, a workday startup and a workday shutdown ritual. So I have a ritual of things that I do in the morning. Um, and those include just things like looking at my schedule. I record like a daily voicemail every day on my phone, just saying what day it is and when I'm going to be getting back to people throughout the day. Um, I just I have a system of um, writing things out in my daily planner, just making sure I know kind of what my big three rocks are. Like, what do I want to accomplish today? Um, and then that leads into our daily team meeting. So I've got a, um, a team of team members and employees that work with me. And so we run a daily team meeting every day at 945. And in that, we just go over all of our schedules and talk about any kind of to-do items for our clients. Um, 
and make sure everybody knows what, what the objectives are for the day and, and what we need to do to tackle those things. So again, startup routine, knock out our morning meeting. Um, and then, man, after that, we are off to the races. And so it's really just a day. My days are kind of full of uh, making phone calls. Um, so I'm a big phone talker. And so every day, Monday through Friday, has a different theme um, of who I'm calling that day. So every day I make 20 to 30 outbound calls. Um, and depending on the day, again, that depends, um, that determines who I'm, I'm talking to that day. And then I take a lunch every day. So just an hour in the middle of the day to just decompress and just talk to the Kristen and the kids. Um, and then after that, or to me or to Micah, of course, <laughs> on Fridays. And, um, after that, our afternoons, that's when we meet with our clients. So right now we're doing Zoom home buyer consultations and, and listing appointments for our sellers. And so I've got um, usually knocking out two meetings throughout the day, kind of interspersed with um, some, some admin time sprinkled in there and team training. So I meet with one person on our team every day to train them for their job. And then I end the day with... Uh, kind of a shutdown, workday shutdown ritual. So 5.30 every day, I turn my phone off. Um, I make sure I got accomplished what I wanted to that day. And I just do some very light planning for the next day. And then I sit on my couch alone for five minutes and I take deep breaths. And um, yeah, just kind of get myself, get my mind right for the day. And then I go into our kitchen say what's up to Kristen and the kids. And I just try to be 100% present. Um, just try to leave work behind in the office and be 100% present with my family. I'm um, starting at five 30 or six. When you do that, that breathing, um, is that kind of your, cause I used to do something similar. Is that like your disengage from work? Yep. 100%. That, that's, um, you said you do that for five minutes or give or take? Five minutes. Yep. Cool. Uh, when I talked to Dr. McCauley, she, as I call her, the mother of mindfulness, she talked about how doing that on a daily basis actually improves how you respond to situations because your brain is trained how to calm down in a good way and then re-engage in whatever it is you're about to do or what you're about to approach and I yeah. think that's awesome. What caused you to, and I'm, I don't mean that in an aggressive way, but what caused you to aim for such a way of like doing your business or you're having your day. And cause I know you're super systematized everything you just talked about, but like you even mentioned when you started, it was kind of chicken with your head cut off hair on fire. Of course, if your hair's on fire and your head's cut off, then it's on the ground, but, and you're just holding on for dear life. So what caused you to shift over the, the five years of doing this by itself, no teaching. And then from that, what would be kind of just the one system that you think is most important? It sounds like blocking might be it because everything else falls within that. But I'd love to know your answer. So what caused all the systems and then what would be the most important system? Oh my gosh, yeah. So um, I would say what what really caused it was and this was a few years ago, but I was really starting to struggle with like some anxiety and just kind of panic attacks. Um, 
because these days, I mean, with our, with our phones and email, it's like, man, like people can reach you almost anytime. Um, and, and I just, I felt like all I was doing was playing defense. Right. Um, and, and even going into like the slightly like non-work stuff, like waking up and working out before my family gets up. I feel like our, our old alarm was our son Wyatt just kicking our door in and saying, I'm hungry. Give me some food. <laughs> and like, that is not a great way to work, to, to start your day, you know? Um, and so I just started realizing like, man, from literally the moment I wake up, all I am doing is playing defense and all I am doing is focusing on taking care of other people um, and, and just responding to the various needs that others around me have, whether it's my family members or my clients. Right. And so that definitely bled over into my day, like my work day. Um, all I was doing was just responding to emails, responding to texts and I just felt like my phone became what I like to call this box of cobras or like box of vipers where I just would get anxiety just even looking at it. And for anyone out there who's, who's in sales, like y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, if you have a growing, thriving business, like you look at your phone and you're just like, please don't be bad. Please don't be bad. Please don't. Oh God, what am I going to need to do when I look at this? Um, and I just thought this is a crappy way to live. This is a crappy way to work. Like my clients are not getting the best of me. My family's not getting the best of me. And I really was just having, like I said, these, these quasi just kind of like panic attacks and I'd get short of breath. I'd start crying and I wasn't even sad. It was just really weird. And there was a guy at a networking event actually who recommended the book, uh, Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Um, and he was just like, dude, sounds like you need to be early rising. You need to wake up early and you need to have a system. And I was like, dude, let's go. So I listened to the book on audible and I've really been doing the miracle morning ever since. Um, and I feel like that kind of like, I don't know, it was just the reality check I needed and it was just kind of the framework that I needed. Um, and so I started having at least just a morning system and starting to feel like I was attacking the day. Like I love the feeling of getting up early before like the world, so to speak, is up. Um, and just feeling like I get to determine what happens today. I get to dictate this, right? Um, and then through that, I started seeing and hearing about other resources like, like time blocking. And then I got a business coach um, back in 2017. And my business coach has just been, coaches have just been so inspiring to me and just seeing how they can do things at, and perform at such a high level. Um, and the way they do that is with systems and structure. And so I really just started looking at people who were doing what I wanted to do, the way I wanted to do it and asking them like, how do you do that? Like, what are your systems? What are your structures? And I started seeing just like these recurring patterns. And so to answer the, the last question, Time blocking is kind of a, that's a little bit of cheating because we've already talked about that. But I would say the biggest thing for me has been time blocking. Again, setting blocks of time throughout the day for doing certain themes or categories of activities has been super awesome for me. So like, <coughs> excuse me, like one example is like, dude, like if you had a doctor's appointment, are you going to go to that doctor's appointment? 
Yes. Yeah, dumb question, right? Of course you are. Um, If your kid has a doctor's appointment, if Charlotte has a doctor's appointment, are you going to go to it? Definitely, and I'll show up early. If if it's me, I might be like right on time. (laughs) There you go, there you go. But if someone calls you and just says like, ooh, hey man, I really need this report from you. Um, Are you still going to go to her appointment? Yes, you can wait on the report. Exactly. And so what I what I adopted and what I always advise people to do is like basically set up appointments all throughout your day where you're just like, no, like if you need to edit your podcast, this is the time block of the day where I record my podcast. It is like a doctor's appointment. No one, no, no one can mess with that. Right. And so if you, if you just kind of reverse engineer your day and you just think, okay, like what are the things that I want to get done during the day? and set those time blocks. Um, if you tell people like, Hey, like from 11 to 12 and two to three is when I get reports out and I'll get that to you during one of those blocks. That person's going to say, okay, people will expect what you tell them to expect. So time blocking has been, been huge for me, but I would also say what's been massive for me is this sounds really simple, but have a start time and a go home time. So I think you're, that's a, the major time block. That is the block yeah, of work, yeah. you know, <laughs> exactly. And, and it's, it's just so hard again, especially for entrepreneurs, salespeople right now, but really anybody, especially right now, since so many of us are working remotely and from home, those, those lines are just getting blurred. And if you, if you're not careful, like you can end up working 14, 15 hour days. So you have to have a time that says, this is when I start work. And you have to have a time that says, this is when I stop working. So that, that system has just been like a mega game changer for me. I want to ask, um, this was not in my notes that I sent you. So this is spur of the moment question, but you started doing the, um, the weekends where it's you're with family yep. o- operate on Monday morning and you, you left, uh, I think Lydia had sent out an email from you or an automatic response. We'll get to you on Monday, uh, have a blessed weekend or, or something like that. Then on, in addition, you had a voicemail that would tell people this is what we're doing. Can you, cause to, to me and to, uh, well, I'd say not to me cause I understood what you're doing, but to other people that may be listening, that sounds like you're losing business by not being available uh, every at every beck and call of other people. And I would love to know for those that are listening who maybe, maybe are right where you were of saying, I am holding said box of Cobras and I don't want to be holding it. And I'm stressed out of my mind. I'm on antidepressants. I keep having panic right. attacks in the car while I'm driving. And I, I've felt those, you know, this I've, I've had breakdown moments where I'm like, why the yep. crap am I crying? This is the stupidest thing. But on the other side of my brain is everything's wrong. Um, so people may be right there and they may be considering a shift. So I'd love to know with this recent kind of addition to your whole mm-hmm. system, how how did that start? Because that, yep. that was fun to listen to. And, and what were the responses of other people? And then how has that progressed? And how does it feel now that you've been in it for a few months or whatever it's been? Yeah. Okay. So um, the way it started is, you know, I've always kind of had the desire to like 
to go really big during the week and to have as chill a weekend as possible to be with my family. And turns out that is not a system. Um, it's a wish. It's a desire. <laughs> turns out. Yeah, turns out. And so again, my, my system, I'm saying in air quotes, was work really hard during the weeks and in the weekends try to do a little less and just try to hold people off from doing too much on the weekends so that I can kind of just spend more time with my family. And so what that led to was every day was just a 12 hour day. Um, Saturdays, Sundays, it was just completely stacked. And so what I realized was like, I was legit getting burnt out. Um, so I think the, the first step for me was that kind of start time, go home time thing, right? Like even during the week, like we can't, we can't just work all the time. Like I'd be watching, you know, um, I was going to say Tiger King, but this is before Tiger King came out. Um, you know, but I'd Tiger be watching, but Tiger King, let's be real. Uh, I'd be watching some show on Netflix with my wife at like nine o'clock at night. And I'm sitting over here, like texting on the side, like to clients or agents or whatever is so stupid. Um, and I was just starting to get burnt out. Your brain cannot operate at that level for that long. It's just not sustainable. Right. So I really kind of started to break down. My health started to break down. I was sick for a year. Um, I had a fever for four months. Um, I ended up having an intestinal parasite, Giardia, that I know took me way longer to recover from than it should have. Or as I call it, the alien infestation. The alien infestation. <laughs> yeah, that's what it felt like. And then I had, I ended up getting H. pylori, another bacterial infection, intestinal bacterial infection, I had salmonella at some point. Um, and I know that it took me so much longer to recover because I was operating like full octane every single day, working 12 plus hours a day. So I knew kind of coming out of that um, at the beginning of last year, honestly, that like something, something has got to change. And so what I realized, I ha again, this all comes back to like your actions, your reactions, and your mindset. And I had this mindset of, I can only be an amazing realtor if I'm constantly available for my clients. That is not true. Um, in fact, I- say, would, say that again, say that again. I had About. this thought, what? Okay, I had this thought that like, I can only be an amazing realtor if I am constantly available for my clients. Hmm. Yeah, and the reality that I came to was there is a 0% chance I can be an amazing realtor if I'm constantly available for my clients. You know why? Because I will be literally dead and I it will kill literally. literally, literally I will die. You're already getting attacked by aliens in your intestines. Yes. And you're going to be dead. Yes. And so I realized like, man, like is it, is it possible for me to be a fantastic realtor and to represent my clients with excellence if I take one day off a week? And again, there's a guy named Michael Hyatt. He has a ton of really great books and podcasts out there. Um, and one question that he always asks is, what would have to be true for X, Y, Z? Right? And so the, the, question I started asking myself was, 
what would have to be true for me to do an amazing job for my clients and take one day off a week? I mean, even saying that right now feels, it just is ridiculous that I even had to ask myself that question. No one should have to work seven days a week. Nobody. Um, but I had convinced myself that that was true. Uh, and I think that this is part of another podcast, but I think we just live in like a somewhat toxic grind culture. Um, I kind of prided myself on, on grinding it out seven days a week, 12 hours a day. You are nearly quoting what Dr. McCauley said. No way. We have a, we have a, um, what did she say? It's a competitive busyness or something like that, where I try to be more busy than you or like, well, I was, I was here till 9 PM last night. Oh, really? I slept on the floor, you know, and it, why are we competing about who's out? I'd rather be more efficient. Thank you. Yep. Yep. I mean, ask anybody like, man, how's business? Most people are going to say, oh, so busy. Oh, crazy busy. Like that's, it's like this, we wear our exhaustion and our busyness as like this like badge of honor. Um, but anyway, I, I realized, I mean, honestly, like I had to have a really hard conversation with my wife too. Like she sat me one down one day at the kitchen table and was just like, Barrett, this is not okay. I feel like I never see you. Our kids never see you. We are like, you're passing through like the most pivotal, um, time in our kids' lives. And like, they're not seeing you, you know? And, oh, that just felt, that just felt awful to hear. Um, So anyway, again, I had to come to this point where I understand now, and I truly believe in my heart of hearts that I can be an amazing agent, even if I take, let me, let me rephrase this. I can be an amazing agent by taking one day off a week, right? Um, And so now what we do, just to fast forward a little bit, so we work Monday through Friday, nine o'clock to 5.30, And then on Saturdays, we work by appointment only from two o'clock to five o'clock PM. And then Sundays, our clients will never hear from us. Nope. I turn my phone off Saturday night and I turn it back on Monday morning. We literally, literally, he he literally does it. I'm his friend and I won't get a response till Monday. (laughs) It's a, it's a fact. Yep. Yep. I tell my, even my parents, I'm like, if you need to reach me, call Kristen. My phone's not here. I don't care what comes up. It's not, it's not important enough to rob me and my family of of this day off and 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 dude like i also came to the point where i just started researching the idea of a sabbath day and even for like your listeners out there who are like not religious or not christian or whatever um like it is really important for our well-being to take one day off a week and my business coach actually he told me He's a pretty religious guy. And he was just like, let me ask you, Barrett, when God created the earth, did he take a day off? I said, yes. It's like, I, I know the answer. I don't want to say it. <laughs> I go, yeah. And he goes, oh, okay. I see. So what you think you're better than God? Is that, so that's what you're saying? I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'll take a day off. So anyway, I started looking into it and I was like, you know, like honestly taking a day off the idea of Sabbath is not purely or maybe even not primarily to give you rest, right? Like that's, that's an important um, component of it. And it's probably going to happen. You will get rest. But the most important reason that we Sabbath is to remember 
um, to take one day out of the week to remember that the world does not revolve around us, right? That we do not hold the universe together. Um, and again, it feels ridiculous saying that I'm a realtor in Austin, Texas. There's 13,000 of us. And somehow I think I hold the world together, right? I hold my clients' lives together. That's not true. Um, and I have had to come to a place where I, I recognize now and I believe that um, I'm, going to, I'm going to lose clients out of it. I've already lost a couple clients because of this. Not because they had a bad experience. They were just like, eh, we need someone who's available seven days a week and you're not that guy. This other guy is going to work every day. I'm like, cool, whatever. And I've had to come to a place where I realize like, those are not my clients. Those are God's clients, right? Um, I don't deserve them. I'm not entitled to them. And if I, if I have to give up some business because of this, which I have, like, that's okay. That's perfectly fine. Um, the trade-off is you're spending time with your family. So I, I really feel like that's okay. It's perfectly fine. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I keep going back to this idea too, that like, man, my business coach always tells me, Barrett, people will expect what you tell them to expect. So if you don't tell your clients that you have working hours, they're going to expect you to work all day, every day. But if you tell them, this is when I work, this is how we operate. Oh, you have a concern that we're not available on, on Sundays. Let me address that. And here's what we're going to do to mitigate that, that, um, that risk. And, um, yeah, it's like, dude, every client who's decided to work with us, it is completely fine. They never reach out to us on Sundays and guess what? We're doing amazing. We're having our best year ever. Um, our clients are like the happiest clients we've ever had. Um, and no one has complained about us not being available on Sundays. So when, when you first did that, though, I'm, I'm very, I want people to know, what the responses were that first weekend when you and I had lunch on Friday and you're like, we're doing it. And I said, well, I can't wait to hear what happens. What, what was that first weekend like? And what were the responses from other realtors? Yep. Okay. First, I want to tell you what my personal response was to it. My personal reaction to it. Please share. Cause I, I know it, <laughs> you know, other, this is great, dude my experience that first weekend, the first couple of weekends was it sucked. I hated it. Um, like <laughs> I had more anxiety than I had before because yeah. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? What's going on? What if our clients need me? What if they need me? Like, what if there's an, what if someone's reaching out and making an offer on our listing and I can't respond? Like, what do we do? Oh my God. Um, and it, it was absolutely horrible. Um, didn't you have to put your phone like in a cabinet or something so you forget yes. about it? Yes. Okay. I had to turn it off and Kristen had to put it somewhere where she didn't tell me. Practical application, folks. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so that was awful. But again, fast forward, it, it's gotten less and less awful um, every week. And now it's like, it's just something that I look forward to every week. And now it's such a special and sweet time. But anyway, back to the question you actually asked. The, the, uh, what I was surprised about were the other agents responses so i got one of two responses um one type of response was agents would reach out to me again because we have listings we're helping people sell their home 
other buyer's agents are calling us to ask about information on our listings, or maybe they submitted an offer and they want a response. And I would get voicemails like, Hey, and again, in my voicemail, it would say, Hey, our whole team is off on Sundays. Feel free to email or text me at this number and we'll get back to you Monday morning. Right. And I'd have people leave me voicemails. I wouldn't get them until Monday morning, but they would say like, Hey, this is so-and-so from whatever realty. I need you to call me back now. I know you said you're not, you're not available on Sundays, but I, we need to talk. You need to call right now. And I'm like, are you dumb? Did you not hear my voicemail and say, <laughs> you not hear it go straight to voicemail and say, I'm not responding. Um, but those people are just whatever. Their hair is on fire and that's on them, right? They're the ones running around like chickens with their heads cut off like I was. And that's on them. That's not on me. It did nothing to affect my client's experience. And so I feel 100% okay with their craziness. But dude, like the majority of agents would leave me a voicemail and say, Barrett, on Monday, I need you to call me back and explain to me how you're able to do this because this is amazing. I'm so inspired. And like, I can't believe it's possible to take Sundays off. Like your whole team takes Sundays off. Like how can, how do you do this? Um, And I just had agents who were inspired and like they just like really, really appreciated it. Um, And I also had responses from clients or people reach out to me wanting to work with us on a Sunday. And the overwhelming response was, I want to work with you more because you have this system in place. Like I want to work with you more because you have boundaries. I want to work with you more because you're taking these steps to take care of yourself, your family and your team. And people would just be like, this is awesome. I know I'm calling you on a Sunday, but I seriously thought you would answer. Like, I just want you to know this like is they're really just trying cool. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, Let's see if you really does. It. <laughs> yeah. you know? They're like, this is so cool that you actually like hold true to this. Um, so anyway, it's that's, um, does that help? Does that answer your question? Yeah, it answers my question. Um, and I'm, I'm sure what other people have been thinking, like if they're afraid to try it. And I remember you and I talked about it that Friday before. And I said, Barrett, just as some encouragement for you, I bet you inspire others to do the same. Mm. You will likely have somebody that's pissed. That's just real mad. And sure enough, I think it was one person, right? Like one realtor that left a real brutal message. And then other people were like, okay, this is cool. Call me Monday, please. This is kind of timely, you know? Uh, But then I know as the, the weeks developed and everything, it started to become Barrett, whatever you're doing, please write it down and give it to me. Cause I, I want, I want to know. Um, and, and I think that in the same way would just happen, you know, over a few months time, you being on this podcast and telling other realtors who could be listening or other people who are considering real estate or other people who aren't even in real estate, but they're still working seven days a week. Now they've heard this and they're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. And again, it, not even on a religious end of things like, Oh, take a Sabbath by all means, folks, look up the science, look up studies that are done when you take that break and what happens psychologically, emotionally, and even physically when you allow yourself to take that one day of of rest. Um, and then having those guide rails in your life, the, the systematic blocking of time allows your brain to say, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with this at this time on this day then you can let it go until then because you know that you have that protected set aside time to deal with 
whatever that was, emails right. or phone calls or whatever. Um, I I know that we have this little thing called virus happening, and I, I have caught said virus. Um, just as kind of a quick question, I, I want to know how is the real estate market in Texas, at least because that's what you know, uh, been affected since COVID really like took off. I, I guess more so in the Austin area. Just your experience. Yeah. How has it been affected? Dude, okay, it is such a weird time in the real estate market. It is so freaking weird. Um, okay, so we've got a few different factors at play here, okay? Austin already has just an incredibly strong and stable economy. Um, so coronavirus hit, right? And what's interesting is demand has definitely not decreased. Um, in fact, demand is either stable or increased. Um, and it's funny, I always say, uh, like I get, I talk to people about, you know, making moves all the time. And I feel like what I'm hearing from a lot of people is, Hey Barrett, I, uh, I've been in lockdown here for a few months now and I just want a new house. I just want a new one. I'm sick of looking at all the same stuff. Right. So like, let's go, or I want a bigger yard, or I want to be outside of town or whatever. Um, I get people who are just like, Hey, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in quarantine with my spouse and kids and we're in this little apartment and turns out it is now time. Um, or people want to be closer to family or further away from family sometimes, you know? Um, so like a lot of people, this, this shelter in place stuff has made a lot of people want to make moves add to that um, like mortgage interest rates are like literally the lowest they've been in 10,000 years. Um, I heard an economist joke about that recently. He was like, no, seriously, like since loaning money has been a thing and interest rates have been recorded since 10,000 years ago, this is the lowest it's ever been to borrow money. Uh, so that's pretty nuts. That's neat. Yeah. And so interest rates are below three, solidly below 3% right now, which is making it's, it's injecting a lot of bravery and interest into the market. So that's just a lot of people are wanting to take advantage of that. And then you add to that, a lot of people are really apprehensive and hesitant to list their home for sale right now because they don't want a bunch of people walking through their house during this global epidemic, um, pandemic. Is that what we say? I still don't know. The I, think, I think pandemic. Yeah. Global pandemic. Um, so anyway, it's, uh, like I said, demand is still very high. It's not higher than it's ever been because of the various reasons I mentioned and people are not wanting to list their homes. So supply is contracted. And so that is making for like probably the craziest real estate market I've experienced in my six and a half year career so far. Um, if there is anything decent in a decent, like that is priced anywhere within the realm of possibility. Um, it is going to be a feeding frenzy. Um, it, it's, it's, I've never seen this many multiple offers. Uh, we had a client the other day who won out of 14 offers. We had another client who won out of 17 offers. Um, another one that won out of seven and it's just like, bam, 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 bam. Um, it's, it is an incredibly hot market right now. I do wonder how long we can sustain this, um, with the continued, shutdown. So, and again, I, I don't dwell on this, but my only worry is just to see kind of what happens with the economy once the unemployment 
benefits and stimulus packages dry up, which they will, um, and people are still not going back to work. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next nine to 12 months. But right now it's, it's probably the strongest and, and most active market I've ever seen. That's nuts. I, I didn't think about the supply shrinking. I knew about the buyer and everything and everybody's at home thinking even, even like us. Yep. Yeah. We don't have enough space. Not, not like I want more space. Like functionally, we do not have yep. enough space <laughs> to all yep. be stuck in this house for this long. Exactly. Um, that's, that's bonkers. Um, I wanted to know as you have given ideas to people listening, what would you say to somebody as concisely as possible? Just con- they're considering becoming, I'm considering becoming a realtor. What would you tell me? Man, I would say give it time, right? I would say have six months of savings in your bank account um, because you're probably not going to make any money for about six months. Um, and I would just say follow, like find people who are doing this job and and this business the way that you want to do it and ask them to tell you what they do because people are so much more generous with their advice and their strategies and their tactics than you might think um people who have experienced success like want to share with other people how they got there we want to see other people succeed and thrive um and i would also say get ready to actually do five or six different jobs within one job because when you're a when you're a lone ranger you're you're a solo realtor you are the marketer you are the paperwork processor you are the marriage counselor you are the lawyer not really but you are but the you're the youtube video editor you're the you do everything yeah. you know and and so i would just say get ready to do, you're the, you're the Uber driver. Um, I'd say, you know, get ready to do lots of different jobs and um, just, just focus on taking great care of your clients and giving them an amazing experience and um, the business will take care of itself. And who knows, you may end up on their podcast years later. Booyah, grandma. <laughs> um uh, just to wrap up before we go to the encouragement, I wanted to ask, as you look back on the six and a half years, or you, you said total, right? Yeah. Six and a half years, or I know you're still going to be in this <laughs> this field for many years to come. Yeah. Uh, what would you consider your greatest professional accomplishment so far or at all? Professional accomplishment. Because I know some facts that I'd love to to share with folks but I, I'd love to know what you think is your greatest professional accomplishment. Dude. I hate to say it, but I don't know that I have an answer for that. Uh, just because there's so much more I want to do. Um, there's so much more I want to do. And I know that I can grow. I know we can grow so much. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound really cheesy and it's really, I don't mean it to be. Um, but to me, I love, I mean, every month seeing our clients reviews of me and, and our team come through and just, it's kind of cool. Like, like the hardest part about my job is 
whenever our clients close, we're unemployed, you know, and <laughs> I'm constantly like, don't you hate interviewing for new jobs? Yes, but that you're on a, a merry-go-round of new jobs. Dude, I interview for a new job about 20 times a month. Um, sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't, and it is not easy. Um, but that's really hard. But I would also say several times a month, I get to see the fruit of our labor and I get to see people digging down roots and, and making new homes for themselves and their families. And so really, I mean, every, every time I see a review come through, um, it just, it's worth it. Um, but again, I don't know that I could say I have one professional accomplishment that means the most to me just because I don't think about those things. I just know there's so much, so much to do in the future that I'm excited about. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What would be the greatest accomplishment at the end of your career to look back on that maybe hasn't happened yet? Hmm. So in essence, I'm asking for a goal. What, what would be your goal then? Hmm. To be fair about yeah. the, uh, the, I guess, funeral question. You said that people felt like they mattered because of you. So maybe something revolving around that in your professional life that, you know, you basically you're creating new experiences in life for people. You're giving them a home. You're, you're walking them through a process. And if you're getting great reviews, then maybe you're already making people feel like they matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dude, I honestly don't know if I can answer that question. I really want to say something just to have an answer. Uh, I guess, I mean, I would, <laughs> to be fair, Barrett has been on what the platinum <laughs> list or award or something multiple years. What is it? Four years now? Three? Three. 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 And then you've gotten other awards. I know from where you used to work, the, the broker that you used to work with, mm -hmm. and you've gotten other little awards here and there that are pretty awesome. But guys, Barrett is still like, yeah, I those wouldn't count. You know, what does it would, take? Just, here, just so we all okay. know what, what, what does it take to get on the platinum like list of realtors or whatever yeah. it is? So you have to be one of the top 50 realtors in the Austin board of realtors, like in the greater Austin area. But what does that mean? Like a certain level of sales, like you've sold this much yeah. in dollars worth. Yeah. What's, what's the number? It depends. It changes oh. every year. And so, I mean, so for a man who said it three years in a row, please tell us. Yep. I mean, last year we were able to sell $18 million of real estate. And then this year we're on track to somewhere between 20 and 22. And that's amazing. Like I, I love that, but dude, okay. I thought of something. So, okay, here it is folks. Okay. So like I said, I am a student in a business coaching program called the core out of North Carolina. So they have coaches like all over the country. So I've had a coach in Seattle Nashville, San Antonio, and this year, Minneapolis, or this semester, Minneapolis. And I would say those people really inspire me, like those coaches. Like they're, they're not just people who sold real estate in the 80s. They sold $7 million of real estate in the 80s, and now they're going to try to tell you how to do great YouTube videos. Um, <laughs> like these people are like practitioners. Like they are selling... 60, 100, 200 million dollars of real estate and 
they take on this job of coaching total knuckleheads like me, you know? And so for me, like a huge, huge professional accomplishment would be to do this business in such a way and have such great systems and provide such amazing experiences for our clients that my business coaching program would ask me to coach people and I would absolutely do it at the drop of a hat. Um, and so for me, like a huge, like I said, this industry and this business has given me so much. Um, and I know that it, it will continue to, so I'm not worried about that. Like for me, what would be a massive professional accomplishment would be to give back, um, and to give back in a, a real way and like helping others who were like me or are like me build businesses and, and provide really great jobs for people um, and provide um, a great life for themselves and their families. So that, that would be a massive accomplishment for me. That sounds like it fits you. Yeah. Like as a candid friend moment, I, that sounds about right to be now I know you could, you could obviously get some quanta. uh, What would it be? Metrics for that of like, okay, I'd want to coach three people to this level of production or something like that, or bring more peace to their life or something. I, I don't know, but overarching, you know, on spur of the moment on the spot. I think that's a great goal. Um, as we wrap up, I always want to wrap up with some encouragement. And I think in a way you've offered a lot by just being vulnerable so that other people feel a little bit more normal. Uh, whether it's, okay, yeah, my wife and I, my husband and I, we actually just had that conversation that you're talking about of, I don't see you ever. You're constantly working and the kids don't get to see you. What gives? Like, let's change something. So I think in some ways you've already given a lot more encouragement than you may have thought you consciously specifically did. But I would love to know what encouragement would you give to people listening right now in general? And then specifically those two, uh, those in the real estate industry. Yes. Oh, I love this question. So this is going to sound, and you, Micah, being my friend, you might be like, this is so unbearable. Like, um, oh boy. <laughs> or, or this might be like, this is obvious based on what we talked about. But I would say I have two two pieces of advice and encouragement. Okay. And one of these has come from one of my business coaches. And I, I think this applies to business and personal life is one day, like I had a problem and I came to him with it and I was just like, Todd, I have this problem, man, I I don't know how to solve it. And I'm feeling this way or whatever. And he goes, Barrett, he goes, I'm going to be real with you right now. He's like, this is a truth that you need to remember for the rest of your life. All right. And he said, almost every problem in the world. Okay. He's like, I'm talking about health problems, wars, politics, government, personal marriage, kids, business. He said, almost every problem in the world can be solved through systems and structure. He's like, have a system, have a structure, have a process. It will get solved. He said, if you want to lose 50 pounds, I don't want to lose 50 pounds, but 
If someone wanted to lose 50 pounds. I would fight you if you start trying to lose, trying to lose 50 pounds. (laughs) No, no, no. Goodness gracious. Like if someone wanted to lose 50 pounds, yes, there are people who struggle with things that are beyond their control. And it's like, I don't want to minimize that. But he was like, if you really want to lose 50 pounds, I can give you a system. If you follow it, it'll work. Right. He's like, if you, if you want to have a better relationship with your son, I'll give you a system. And if you follow it, it'll work. If you don't follow it, it's not going to work. Um, so I would just say, man, like if you, if you have an issue, a problem, like something that you're, that you're feeling really challenged with, um, chances are uh, there is a system and a structure that will help you solve that problem, right? And you just have to, you have to actually have the discipline to do it. So, um, and so anyway, I, I would challenge anybody, if you have a problem and you want a system and a structure, shoot me an email, we'll set up a time. I'd love to talk with you through it. Uh, and I'm not blowing smoke here. Um, I think another kind of on that same topic, I'm going to go back to that Michael Hyatt, um, quote is what would have to be true for X, Y, Z, right? Um, So I would say if you're struggling with something, it's kind of the same way of thinking through um, the first piece of advice, but like, it just gives a a nice like framework for kind of tackling those things. So I would just say like, man, when I was having trouble with my, just having struggles with my wife, we weren't spending time together. And the time where we were spending together, it was not quality time, right? And I started thinking through what would have to be true for my wife to say, I get great quality time with Barrett and just brainstorm with yourself, right? Just get ideas out on paper. What would have to be true for me to have a really systemized schedule? What would have to be true for me to be able to spend more time with my son or my daughter? What would have to be true for us to be able to take a two week vacation next year where I'm not working at all? Like the answer to your the solutions to your problems are in that answer. And so I'd say just dig in and create a system and a structure to make that happen. I love that. I'll have to give you an example of um, just what we've done recently to, to help navigate some stuff that we're trying to accomplish. So it's, it's great advice folks. And I hope that you really take that to heart. Um, it's reverse engineering really is yeah. what it is at its core. Cause I I've definitely done that in my life before I ever knew who Michael Hyatt was because you had not yet told me about him. So yeah. it's your fault really is what I'm getting at. Um, I, I received that. <laughs> so you said to email people or people can email you if they want to discuss more like structure systems, that sort of thing. If you're eager to know, or if you're eager to know how he does really take a, a day off every week, um, I've mentioned his email before on uh, previous episodes. His email is barrettraven at realtyaustin.com. That's two R's and two T's in Barrett. Right. B-A-R-R-E-T-T-R-A-V-E-N at realtyaustin.com. Uh, as he said, you can reach out to him that way. Barrett, is there any other way that they can get in touch with you or is that probably the most efficient way for you all to be able to communicate? Yep, that is 100% the best way to reach me. Perfect. Okay. And I will say, in case you didn't know, uh, we mentioned it earlier, but he does have a YouTube channel. 
and he does put out weekly like Tuesday tube where he'll give you a tip about the real estate market. And um, he, what, I don't know which day it is designated for you, but the what's up with the market. Yeah. Is there a particular yep. day for that? It's just whenever we get our market stats in Got the month. It. Okay. And that's not, that's designated by other people. It's not by you. It's just right. Okay. Right. Got it. Um, but yeah, he does have good videos and they're typically humorous to one extent or another, <laughs> uh, and always provide little nuggets of wisdom. So I'll be sure to link your, your site, your page, YouTube page por- profile, YouTube channel. Yeah. There you go. Channel. Yeah. That's what I meant. That's what I said. <laughs> going to edit that all out. It's totally what I said. YouTube channel. So I'll be sure to link that in, but Barrett, I appreciate your time. I know you've got family stuff that's about to happen. Your brother doesn't even know. So I'm excited for that. And uh, I hope you all have a blast, man. Enjoy the time. Dude, Micah, it meant the absolute world to me that you asked me to come on, man. It's been an, it's been a total blast. So thanks a lot, man. Heck yeah. And I look forward to uh, one day when we do get to discuss in full detail, the Enneagram to everyone. Maybe we'll do a, a special, what have we learned in marriage <laughs> and discuss the, the Enneagram. Cause I'm, yeah. you know, this, my listeners might know this. I'm a big fan of personality tests within their correct and appropriate context. If you sure. use it as, I don't know, a way to judge people before you ever get to know them, then that's not the right context. But right. Nonetheless, I appreciate you. Hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks, man. Yep. Peace, brother. Thanks for listening today to the Micah Brown podcast, or as Barrett just said, the Micah and Barrett podcast. (laughs) I hope that you really enjoyed this episode. I always love love talking to my buddy here. And if you need his contact information, that is BarrettRaven at RealtyAustin.com. Again, B-A-R-R-E-T-T-R-A-V-E-N. I will be sure to put his YouTube channel in the description of this episode in case you want to go see what Barrett looks like or listen to his Tuesday tips and what's up with the market and all of that. Um, I'll also make sure to include the exact link to the, the video that I'm in where he also talks about uh, Wyatt's surgery and everything. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, tune in next week for another interview with an interesting and amazing person. And I hope you all have a wonderful day. Take care.